Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, welcome to the Train Happy Podcast. My name is Tally Rye and this week we are chatting to a yoga teacher and educator, my friend Janelle Lewis. I was so thrilled to have Janelle on and you are going to just love this conversation. Janelle is so wise and she has such great insights on how yoga is linked to social justice and she really helps join the dots in terms of how diet culture is linked to racism which might sound um, really out there (laughs) if you're listening to this you might think what Um, but it's really interesting how um, they are linked together and how that impacts the wellness industry and the fitness industry and so I felt we needed to have this conversation and I think you're going to learn so much from Janelle Um, if you do enjoy this episode please make sure to tag us at train happy podcast use the hashtag train happy podcast i would love to hear what you learned from this week's episode but without further ado get into it enjoy janelle she is fabulous so today i am joined by janelle who i should add janelle wrote the section about yoga in train happy so you may well be familiar <laughs> with her work but now I want to welcome you to the Train Happy podcast. And Thank you. I would love for you to introduce yourself, your work, and yeah, I would love to just tell everyone who you are. Well, it is a real honor and pleasure to be here with you, Tally. My name is Jana Lewis. I am a yoga and meditation teacher. Um, I also mentor teachers and um, work on yoga teacher trainings. I've done that. Currently, I'm taking a little bit of a break. I'm I'm living in Los Angeles right now and having a little bit of a break. So not in the UK at this moment. Um, And I'm also a mother, which is my most important job, I feel like, my job and one I'm, I'm deeply enthusiastic about. I am also a, 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 I would say, a spiritual practitioner. Um, I, again, love yoga, spiritual practice. And um, I think that also really frames how I look at things, not just as um, someone that, that, that offers these things, but someone that consumes them and, and, and practices them as, as well fully. So... Yeah, that's that that is me. <laughs> and you have so we connected in London and um I mean you've lived in London I think for 20 years, is that correct? Yes, I've lived in 20 years up until recently. I literally um got to California right in right before the pandemic started. So it's been a bit weird living in a new place and and um being like sheltering at home because that's still very much what I'm doing while we have this, um, the, the, the COVID pandemic. I 
it, it was fantastic to have connected with you in London. I'd um, known of your work where you really um, do such an amazing job educating people around what I like to call it is um, body sovereignty, you mm. know, just being sovereign in your own body and responding to what your body needs. And um, it is very much in alignment with what I teach. I offer as a physical practice, but also mentally and emotionally as well. You know, sovereignty around, around all of those things and um, doing things with a, with, with, that are right for you in the moment. And um, I, I really find that that is so powerful um, how you speak to this and, and more in, um, again, in, in, we can put quote unquote, like the fitness and, 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 and wellness industry um, because there are, there are more voices saying these things, which is fantastic, but I feel like still not enough considering, you know, we are talking about people's selves, you know, mm -hmm. like they're, they're they're also so I I um I I really I appreciate you for that. So um yeah, and it was super cool that I was able to contribute to your book. It's really an honor and um to to be with so to, to be with you and, and so many of the other contributors that are really again pushing this message of um loving yourself fully in mm. any moment and how that and how that shows up. Oh. well I was so grateful to like connect with you through that and it's been so lovely to just yeah kind of um feel your support and also just feed off your energy because yeah I think it's so interesting how yoga and we'll talk a bit about how you came to yoga in a second but like how yoga I think is so within the body and it's so about embodiment and working with your breath and your movement and I mean I'm not a yoga expert by any means hence why you wrote that section in the book <laughs> but, but I do know that when times have been tough during this pandemic I have turned to yoga as a form of way to release the tension and that tension has been my emotions and you know it's yeah. all so I'm so interested with how it's so connected to the body and how I'll our sensations in our body are so connected to our emotions and I really think yoga is a really great way of like connecting those two things I think um really what yoga the invitation that it, it gives us is for us to come inside and in a deeper invitation it's an invitation for us to come home mm. come home to ourselves to come home to our bodies um and I'm not saying that other forms of fitness and other forms of movement don't do that. Um, I also practice Qigong, which is um, from the Tao tradition um, from ancient China. And again, it, it, these practices like yoga, like Qigong, um, are somatic practices. So like, you know, it's beyond words. And it really attends to, like you said, the things that end up being stored in the body that, um, you know, there's a book called the body keeps the score. I don't know if you, if, I've got yeah. it. 
Um, I've only I've it, dipped into it, and into I'm it, yeah because it's I'm it's, really it's, interested. It's, yeah, mm. and and I'll even frame it as not necessarily. So we're not always talking about bad things, but the like if you've um, you know been working out a lot, you know, really stressing your body, and it's good stress. Now it, it's not it's good stress to you know improve bone density all of that stuff to work your heart amazing but if you don't move your body in a more kind of for me uh, a different way to start to release some of like the natural stress the natural tension that you brought up and that's and that's great to do that for your body but if it's just all of that all the time then it starts to send the body into um, a place of stress. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it always, because when we're doing more of these active things, we're sending ourselves into the um, sympathetic nervous system, right? And, that, and that's, it's not, that's, that's not a bad thing. But then, you know, we want to counteract it with the parasympathetic nervous system and yoga does that very well. And um, it helps to release some of the tensions and things. And I and I also like to think about like you know the times when you're like in Tesco or you know the supermarket <laughs> and someone is like really crazy and rude to you. And instead of like freaking out and screaming and shouting at them, you kind of grin and bear it and get on with it. Well, what I love about yoga and movement is that. In that moment, you you made a right call to suppress your natural anger because you just wanted to get out of the shop and, and go home and have dinner. But where does that go? Where is it? Because energy doesn't die. It just changes form. So it's held in your body. And what I found is like yoga, and qigong and movement and things helps me just to release the stuff that doesn't need to hang out any longer. Which is really to me is that that's simple. And then we start to talk about real trauma, you know, like things that are, you know, very, you know, physical trauma. If you've had an accident, you know, broken a leg, broken an arm, whatever. Again, these sort of practices helps to give you more space around that and emotions that go along with that sort of trauma. And um, and then some of the things that are a little bit like darker. If you know you've suffered physical abuse or um, mental abuse and, and things like that, mm. it's why people may go for a massage and burst into tears because exactly when you you're able it. to like release that physical tension, it releases the emotion. I found myself mm-hmm. in you know lockdown has been a wild ride, <laughs> and I think. Um, <sighs> I think the last, actually, I found the hardest stretch has been the last month or so. And I found myself, yeah, on my yoga mat, just, just having a cry because I knew that I could feel the tension and it's just like, it was a way for me to, to access it and a way for me to release it. And I think, um, that's so powerful to have that tool. I think it's so powerful to have that and that outlet because, I think especially with what we're all going through right now, we need those those healing those practices. Heal, those healing practices. And yeah, yeah I think um, on so many levels, just on so many levels, I think on like, yeah. you know, as you said, like our emotions, they're, they're so layered. 
it's so layered and how it's in the body is so layered as well. And, um, but it's so great. So I would love to know how you got into yoga in the first place though, because I know that you're like, um, yeah, you've been doing this, um, a long time, you know, your stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so funny. Um, I think the first time I did, the very first time I ever did yoga was when I was in college. It was my sophomore year. I went to a school, Howard University in Washington, D.C. Um, I love, I'm very proud of that. <laughs> Anytime I get a chance to talk about <laughs> Howard, I love to. And I was in this honor um, fraternity, right? Such I've been a geek from day one. And and they we'd have people come in to speak, and we had this like swami guy, and he came in and taught us yoga. And I remember what I remember is the shavasana and the laying, and he was giving us a, this guided meditation and just the sense of peace and the sense of oneness that I felt. And I was like, oh, this was great. And then fast forward until, so I must have been like maybe 19 at that time. And so then fast forward to when I was pregnant with my daughter and I started doing yoga um, just as a means to stay moving. And, um, and it was a real way to connect with the way my body was changing and to connect with the new life that was in my body to connect with my daughter. And I literally did yoga up until I gave birth. <laughs> it was really, I would go into this like Ashtanga classes. I was crazy. <laughs> and be doing the sun citation. And, and, um, and this is before, like, I don't, I mean, I had like a video or a DVD of pregnancy yoga. And, and like, I had a book and I, I would like figure it out. But this is before I feel like, like yoga was like super cool or, you know, whatever. Like there was no waiting list to get into the classes. I just was like always there and being able to do it at my local gym. I had my daughter and I forgot about yoga because I was like busy hey, <laughs> just <mom>. trying to <laughs> make sure my daughter didn't die. And to yeah, that's see that. really <laughs> dramatic, but I was like, you know, a bit of like a nervous mom, like, oh my God, she's small. Oh God, like, am I doing this right? So I had to put all my attention into that. And then um, quite a few years later, I would say it would have been 2011, 2012. I was going through my divorce um, and I didn't feel good. I was in a deep depression. Um, I, you know, literally my life was falling apart, which needed to happen because I didn't want that life anymore. So it had to fall apart. And um, I felt horrible. And my friend, and, and she's always telling stories. She's like my best friend. And she went to me, you have to get yourself together. And I know that might sound harsh, you know, like somebody's depressed and their marriage is falling apart, but really it was a call for me to rescue myself and nobody was coming. The only person that could do this was me. And then it started an inquiry pro- um, a process where I'm like, I just don't feel good. I don't feel good. I don't feel resourced of, or, or substantial or like I can do any of this stuff. And 
I'm like, well, how can I feel better? And a voice said yoga. So I proceeded to go to any yoga class I could go to. Sometimes I did like two classes a day and um, I started to feel better. And mm-hmm. then a voice said, you should teach this stuff. And I went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally that. I didn't know any yoga teachers. I'd just been, I'd like done gym yoga and I'd gone to like a few studios. So again, we're talk about, I had a limited understanding of this practice, but what I knew is that it was changing my life. I was coming more into myself, into my own sovereignty, into my own power. I could see things a lot more clearly. And because of this clarity, I could make better decisions for myself and decisions that were more centered around me, not more centered around looking a certain way to someone else or being perceived in this way or being nice or whatever. I could make a decision that not only served me, but that would serve my daughter and and, and the people that were intimate with me in my life. So I went and did a teacher training in India. I lived there for a month in 2014. And that was basically that. I had no plan. I had no backup plan. Like it was like yoga or bus. I can't even believe that. that, But that was spirit was so strong that I had no that there was no, nothing in me that didn't think that this would work out. And now I look back and I'm like, that's completely crackers. <laughs> like, what? Like, usually, like, you would research something. I did not. I had all the research I knew. I knew it worked. Hmm. So that's what I was going to do was be a yoga teacher. And that is what I have literally been doing ever since. I relate to that in the sense of I'm very much of the the like mindset of like, I'll just, I'm going to do it and I'm going to figure it out along the way. Like, I know what I want, I'll figure it out. <laughs> praise, praise. And, and that, and you know, Tally, you have said something really good. People, I think people really do need to hear that most of this, this life is figuring it out all along the way. Mm. There's no like set answers. Like, there's not like a book of tally that tally was has received and she's yeah. going through it all and that's why like her life looks like it's amazing it is a lot of figuring it out along the way you know and um and i think if anybody tells you otherwise they're a liar <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly exactly and i um i have kind of like been stalking you a bit on social media in preparation for our chat today and I think one of the and I'm definitely paraphrasing here and I'm not sure if I'm getting your words correctly so please feel free to correct me but you were talking about the links between yoga and social justice and you're saying that it's so heavily intertwined and I just want to hear your thoughts on that and I think that is so relevant for this moment and this movement right now and I would just love to hear your thoughts that so this is something it's like oh I, I could bang on about this all day so i'm gonna really hold myself in and and and, and say this in the most direct and, and important way that i can when the way that i experience this practice so again i have to say it's my my experience my direct experience is that it is an, a practice of embodiment So it helps me to be me and who I am 
and it doesn't want me to turn away from that. It helps me to look at my experience, like what is present in me right now. That that that's what it does. And and through that experience, through that lens, it empowers me to be in relationship and in community with other people. And through that, it's like we're we're all doing this looking inwards and seeing what is here. And then with that, we have these eyes to look outwards about what is going on. And I'm like, well, if everyone that says they're a yogi is doing the practice that I'm doing, then I can't see how people aren't going, Houston, we have a fucking problem. What is going on out here right now? I see loads of people being abused and marginalized, taken advantage of, and this is state sanctioned. What are we going to do? And, and I, I, um, and, and that's, and that's been, and that has literally how I've experienced this practice as something that like, I, I am not separate from what is going on outside my you know i can't leave that the world is a shit show and i'm on a yoga mat doing the yoga and um i'm on a yoga mat doing the yoga and that that's separate like there's this thing outside but i'm in yoga and i'm going to samadhi I'm being enlightened and there are literally people and I'll say to UK that are UK citizens and they're trying to send them back to Jamaica. What? <laughs> like, excuse me. How's that going on? And um I I feel deeply this practice wakes us up to who we are. It wakes us up to the truth. It wakes us up to the truth of our own being and then allows us to interact with other people in their fullness and their wholeness and their truth. And I think there's been a bit of like a common theme and like even the discussion in the previous episode, mm-hmm. um, we were talking about how, you know, we were talking about diet culture and how that's very distracting and kind of numbing to the things that are going on in the outside yeah. world. And I think, um, part of that connecting to yourself and that process of yeah. connection is about empowering yourself to look outside you know it's like it's like it's not just yeah. it's about giving yourself headspace and strength and drive to consider your role in community and in yeah. society and how you know how can you not and i think a lot of people practicing yoga fitness whatever we're interested yeah. in health. I think we're interested in mental health, physical health. And I think yeah. we can't ignore how um, social justice issues hugely impact people's health and mental health. Yeah. And, and not just is- the people that it's happening to, but it has a, 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 a effect on the people that aren't quite in it, but we're a collective. So if we're doing these things like 
if you're if we want to say this thing about and I, and I don't like to necessarily drag morals into everything but if you're indeed a good person and you see someone struggling how are you gonna feel mm. not great <laughs> like I mean to, to me like I don't know I don't know I might be different but if I see somebody really having a hard time what I what I feel called to do is try to help in whatever way I could, right? And I mean, and I would, and I would say that like that's how most people are, right? They they don't want to like see somebody dying in the street, <laughs> you know. And I th- I think, yeah, I think, and I hope most people at their core are that. And I think there's just so many inhibitors that stop people from having that empathy and compassion in the same Mm. way um and I really love to believe the best in people and you know think that you know maybe it's a lack of knowledge it's um that lack of education whether that be like through like a family education through a teaching and those things but I do think that I I do feel like you're taught to hate you like I think we're we're taught these things right you're not you're not born hating and I think we're born loving the way you you know love your mum when you you know when you're a little one and I think yeah it's 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 one of these things where I think this system and i think this is the 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 the, and and we kind of chatted about this and i think that this is what people are waking up to now Mm. is that this system of white supremacy it is a system it is not a person it is not like it's not ally or it's not like boris johnson as as a person it is a system that we all participate in in some way so I'm not exempt from it because I'm black I my participation in this is key I have to you know to keep the system going everyone has to do their part to participate in it right and what we've seen now I think everyone's had a bit of a wake-up call and what I'll frame this as is everyone's been at home the normal things that keep us distracted, that keep us from looking away, that keep, that keep us looking away, keep us distracted, keep us um, numb and, and, and desensitized. Sitting at home in this COVID pandemic for months, right? And we're working, and whether people liked it or not, people are working through their layers of bullshit. I've seen that. I've seen like people like, yo, I need to go to therapy immediately. Now, sitting at mm-hmm. home, I don't know if, if you've seen where people are like, yo, my life was not okay. What was mm-hmm. I doing? So they're having this critical. I mean, Janelle, like, I've had that realization. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so I'm in therapy anyway, and I'm still like, whoa. <laughs> so yeah. we got so we got a whole like world of people that are all at the same time now again we gotta look at this that it is happening in real time for all of us 
And then we have these incidents, one after another, after another. And I think, again, this, this thing that you say you hope that people have inside of them to, to not be switched on, it said, uh-uh. It's like, you can't sit here and watch this and not do anything. What do you, because it is nothing, it, there, there's no distraction. Mm. You, just, you just saw that. <laughs> you saw that. You can't look away. Not right now. What are you going to look to? What is it to look at? And it was nothing else to look at. It was this. This was it. This was in the consciousness. And um, and this is this leaves us where we are right now, which is I know is an incredibly scary place, an incredibly difficult place, an incredibly uncomfortable place, a place full of fear, a place full of guilt, a place full of shame. But this is the opportunity to sit with these things, to look at them, to be in the things that we've been running from for years. Mm. That we, you know, that all the work, overworking, all the alcohol, all the drugs, all the, you know, overexercising, all of that keeps us from looking at this place. And, and I, and you know, I can put my hand on my heart and I know you know what I'm talking about, Tally. Mm-hmm. I know you know, you know, those sticky places. And I think, yeah, like, and once again, that that discomfort is layered for so many different people because I think, I think like the pandemic already made us start pulling up all the stuff that we had. And I mean, I'm speaking from personal experience. <laughs> and, yeah. then I, and then it's been layered with this, this necessary moment um, in terms of Black Lives Matter and the movement and what what is, I mean, that I just feel like we're really shedding light on some really tough stuff and it's all kind of coming out the woodwork and, yeah. you know, it's this thing. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just a lot to process. And I just think, I mean, I think you were saying how we don't have anywhere to look. And I think that's what's been the power of social media in this moment. I mean, wow, has it been an incredible tool for change? I mean, it's also an incredible, it seems to be a massive tool for bigotry and negativity. But I also think that the, you know, the people who are putting out the work, who are putting out the resources, you know, particularly um black women who have been just I know they've been there this whole time and all the time but it's just um it's like the work that they're they're doing is incredible necessary and we're seeing it and I think you know it just feels like a massive race to catch up it just feels like um so here's the thing with it um it's so funny I've been you know (laughs) I mean, and I was like, I've hold my hands up. I've been in, involved in this sort of work. Like, it's my, it's my dharma. It's my purpose. It's you know, even if I like one again, when you open your eyes to the truth, you can't look away, and the universe would drags me kicking and screaming doing this work. Sometimes I'm like, oh, do I have to? It's gotta be me again. Okay. And um, I was addressing a group of. Um, it was an allyship call for white women yoga teachers and um, 
and there were like over 150 people that signed up for this and and um and so I went to the call and and I said right you're late (laughs) you're late (laughs) can't mince my words and 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 this is again it's 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 not a uh to necessarily shame anyone but to say like you know you we we talked about this stuff has always been happening this stuff has always been going on there are people that have been again six months ago if i would have said white supremacy on my instagram i would have got a lot of people calling me racist right it's been like people that have been here that have been called racist that have been gaslit that couldn't have lost money have lost jobs have lost their livelihoods for standing and telling the truth. So we gotta stand here and tell you the truth that you are late. You are late to this fight. So because you're late, this means there's no more space for dilly-dallying. You either you're in it and you really work well with us and that work is all the time and it doesn't cease and it's not when you feel like it. And to you know today i'm gonna take a a month off from doing this stuff it's it's not it's it's constant it's every day and when i and what i mean by that is not telling you gotta go to a black lives matter march every day that's that's not what i mean so let's just throw that one out of here but these critical processes of what we've had to do in this collective awakening where we start to look at the inner white supremacist that lives inside of us, right? This inner white supremacist that wants to make everything perfect. This inner white supremacist that wants all of these outward shows of, I don't want people to think I'm racist. (laughs) But Mm. this inner white supremacist that doesn't want to do this work to not be racist, right? It's just, you know, that every day we're, you know, like looking, like, how is this showing up for me in my life, you know, and being aware of it. And because, and through this awareness, through the awareness, through the being able to see, then we can take meaningful, incredible action. Because if we can't look at it, if we keep kind of like, I'm not, I'm just gonna like doing this kind of half looking, if we can't see it then and 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 name it, then how on earth will we heal it? Mm. It's impossible. And I also call to you, I know in your community, in which I um there will be a lot of people engaging through your, the work of body positivity, intuitive eating, intuitive exercising, because they would have had an eating disorder. And it is, uh, um, and I hold that, and I hold everyone that has experienced disordered eating. I'll put my hand up to that mm-hmm. too. I hold everybody in their wholeness and their fullness, and um, and in their deep worthiness, right, to receive nourishment. But it's the same sort of interrogation that you had to do around that, like mm-hmm. what, where, where, where are the triggers? What makes me do that? Where where does this come from? It's the same thing that we have to do with white supremacy in ourselves. So, you know, it's not, this is not separate work. This is not different work. If you've had an illness or an addiction or, or anything, and I think most people will have had a thing, if you've gone into recovery, there are steps. 
you know, you got to sit with it and be with it, that, that stuff. And it's the same thing um, around dismantling the system of oppression that not only oppresses black and brown people, but it's oppressive to white people as well. Mm, and we were talking about like, before we started recording today, you know, diet culture we talk about i talk about that a lot and like that is not that is not separate from this issue and in fact that is so if we're talking of um and i think you use the kind of analogy of like the pillars and if we say that like white supremacy is at the top of that pillar and we've got all these different pillars i'm sorry is the structure and then at the top of it we've got these pillars holding up diet culture is one of them um yes and they're, they're not separate things. So the way we talk about let's ditch diet culture, dismantle diet culture, it is part of chipping away at white supremacy as well. And we can't yes. ignore that those two things coexist. We have to recognize it. And, you know, I before we started recording today, I put a post up on Instagram saying like, I have been having thoughts around my body image that I have not had for years. And it's been such... I'm going to just go and swear. It's just been such a head fuck to think you've done so much work. You've come so far and you're still having to work on this stuff. And you're like, I thought, I thought it was almost there. And I think, you know, the same with (laughs) work. It's like, it's going to keep coming up. It's not a destination. It's coming up and coming up and coming up. And, you know, and I think maybe partly it's coming up for me because of this racism conversation. Right. So, Mm yeah this is not separate this is linked and um it overlaps and you know it's intersectional you know amen I mean and that's I think that's why I really um again is in alignment there's a a lot of people that have been asking me to do a lot of things right now right because I'm black and I'm a woman (laughs) to do the thing and when you asked me to come on, I I knew we could really have such a rich conversation because of the work where you're at, because diet culture has racist roots. Mm-hmm. Do you know, you don't want to have this bigger body like a black person. And diet culture has um, deep roots in misogyny of how mm-hmm. we're going to control these women, have them skinny and hungry and can't think straight. Because if we thought straight, we would see these systems of oppression and we would have dismantled them sooner, right? Yeah. And people are so tied up in, um, again, diet culture coming from white supremacist beauty standards. Mm. It's all linked. It, mm. it, you know, from, you know, the person that's at the top of the chain dictates how everybody must look. Because, yeah, no. all, all those beauty standards, like, let's talk about magazine covers. I mean, there's been so much stuff around um, Vogue recently and how there's been, like, particularly in the USA, I think um, Anna Wintour, editor of Vogue, had, had said, like, yes, after 30 years of her being editor, like, yes, there is a lack of uh, diversity in our covers or something like that. It was very, you know, just, like, finally admitting that, yes, she has only had white women on her cover for so long and like if we're looking at like actresses and models and all these people that we compare our bodies to right all those people are white you know the vast majority of those people are white and 
yeah, how can we have not internalized and how can people of all races not internalize that? Like, that's what we should be aiming for. You know, mm-hmm. we've all like, we should be blonde. We should be thin. We should be, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I mean, and, and that's, and that's, and that is just something that, you know, people are like, how did this happen? Like, I'm not racist. How did this happen? And it's these structures. This is, you know, how it happened. Or even like, okay, if you're, um, you know, trying to go do PT sessions, right? And go to the gym. And then they want to weigh you and do your fat and the BMI and all of this stuff where you're like, you know, well now where you just like you you your face, you just went like where did that come from? Mm. And who is that ideal? Who is setting that? And when you look at different cultures, different, but it's just like there are, there's a slim amount of people that is their natural predisposition. Mm-hmm. So why are we out here trying to make somebody that's like, doesn't fit into that, that that's what we're going to measure their fitness by? What the f- like, no. Yeah. I would love to do a full um, episode about BMI, but I think it's worth saying that BMI was invented by a Belgian mathematician who only created his sample sizes off of white men. So not even females weren't even in the... Females. They weren't even in the um, conversation anyway to begin with. And it was, you know, and that was that measurement of of health, I'm using quotation marks here, um, was designed for population health it wasn't even designed for individual level and yet it's become so ingrained in our yeah. thing and and the, the mathematician this Belgian guy was known to be racist so all of these things like if we just think about like all the things the white men invented in general right if that if that's where a lot of these structures are coming from medicine all these things um it's no wonder like you know, they, they set the foundations and we just were the bricks on top of it. And yeah, we've got to get to those foundations. And I think that's why, you know, when I see things like if you're doing body positivity, it means you have to do anti-racism. When I see things like this, I'm like, finally. And that when I see white people saying it, Finally, they figured this out. Good. Mm-hmm. Now we can, you know, now in, in these things, it's like we need the, we needed the critical mass to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. We needed people to be able to start to wake up to see these systems, to see like when we were chatting, when you brought up, this is like Black Lives Matter. It's a bit like Me Too. Well, you know, Me Too was started by a black woman. Yes, and it's Toronto Buck. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's all in alignment, you know, Mm. it is all in alignment to topple this system of oppression. And I know I made the thing that the statement that I said to the ladies, well, you're late, right? I said, but then I'm going to tell you the good news. You're here. Mm. You're all here now. And because there are so many people here to do this work, we can get this work done because there's so many people to do it. Mm. And each of us can do this in our way of where we we're in. 
um, my friend Toral Shah, I know you know Toral, she said to me, she was like, this whole thing is like, we're all like popcorn. Some people are going to pop at different times. Yeah. You know, when you're popping popcorn. And that's where we got it. And it is, you know, some people it just popped. Okay, cool. That's all right. We've been popped for a while. We're here. We're going to help you. You know, we're going to help get you up to speed and up to your speed as well, because I, I keep, you know, bringing back that not everybody can be going to marches and marching. There might not be a march where you live, right? Not everyone can, um, you know, be on social media all the time saying all these things. But, you know, we all have ourselves, we can all educate ourselves around um, these issues. We can all, if you're over a certain age, vote, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, for people that care about people, you know, we can all do that. There's not one person that can't, you know, like, I mean, if you're underage to vote, you can't vote. But that is something as people that live in societies, Western societies, we all have votes. We can all do that and make sure we spend our votes where, where it's going to count. All of us have families and we can spend time educating our families and having these hard conversations with our families. I know the people in our sphere of influence. Um, and especially like the women, um, the mamas out here, right? We're the ones that are going to change the world by the way we educate our children and what we influence our children with and not like unrealistic beauty standards, boys and girls, right? Because <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we want to stop the boys causing these problems, right? Unrealistic things. We're the ones that can make sure that our children have diverse role models and they see you know different sorts of movies different sorts of music and 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 all of that stuff so everyone and i and i'm saying i'm like everyone has their part to play in dismantling the system um and i think also when we speak to you i know you had a question about the wellness industry calling people out and 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 not necessarily like in an aggressive way but you can i sent women's health a, a thing after they were like oh these black people i said well i want to see you put your money where your mouth is and let's get some black people on the cover and i, I am volunteering it to be myself but somebody you know let some people look and not just cover. not just one person a year it needs to be yeah you know regularly Higher hire some people on your social media and content team that are of color get some people in management on boards you know that are running these things that are involved in the programming because that's when we'll see real change as well Mm -hmm. because like yeah we can do things in the micro but then we have to demand it of the macro where it's like Anna Wintour you need to get some more black and brown folk up in vogue that are making the decisions mm-hmm. because clearly you live in an echo chamber, a bubble. So you need to widen that. And that's, you know, all, you know, also a big thing is like invite more people to the table that don't look like you, that don't sound like you. There's strength and diversity. If things are more diverse, it's smarter, it's faster, it's stronger. There have been studies done on that. If it's all one type of person in all one way, it's not as, as effective. 
totally. And I think just a quick note, note on Vogue. I think um, so. Edward Ennefel is the editor of UK Vogue. He is a black man and yeah. he has done incredible things for Vogue um, mm-hmm. simply based on, like you said, a black person being there to say like, yeah, this is the photographer. This is the model. This is the per- actress. You know, this is the person I'm working with. And um, making sure that their team also reflects that as well. And I think, um, yeah. Yeah. That, like, and, you know, he's killing it, to be honest. Amazing. He's killing it. And exactly. I think- and everybody's buying the magazine yeah. still. And if people have this idea, but this is the lie, this is the trick of white supremacy. And this is what we all get hooked into. That if it's not somebody that's white, skinny, and blonde, then somehow it's not going to be good and it's not a value. And that is bullshit. It's a lie. It's diminishing. It's diminishing for the people that are that because you're basically saying that that's the only reason we should listen to you. That that's the only reason that makes you good. And that is false and it's a lie and it is just wrong. It's wrong. Everyone is, is capable. Everyone has their talents that they're supposed to share with the world. White supremacy diminishes everyone by saying that it's only a selected few that get to do this. And especially when it's like based on that beauty standard and it's saying like the way you look is all you have, all you have to give. Yeah. And actually it's like, no, we all have so much more than that. And, you know, I'm always saying, um, we had a podcast with Beauty Redefined and I don't know if you're aware of their work, but they're incredible. They do a lot around um, education and that one of their mantras is your body is an instrument to be used, not an ornament to be looked at. And it's all about like, um, you have so much to give beyond the way you look and the objectification um, and the self-objectification is what is halting us from fulfilling what we need and going back to the conversation around how is diet culture playing into and stopping us from fulfilling our potential is like, you know, when you're hungry, when you're worried about your workouts, when you're worried about what you weigh, you, you ain't got time to, you know, be, to be questioning the magazines being like, hang on a second. Like who is on your staff? Like you aren't, you don't like, I'm saying this from personal experience, like five years ago, I don't know where I would have been. This might've been the disruption that I needed, but you know, would I have been this present and this aware of this conversation? Probably not. Um, and so I think it's really important that, um, you know, we feed ourselves and energize ourselves for this mm. work because you need yeah. energy and we can't. Um, and I think in terms of um, the work around body image and, that self-work, I think that's really, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this because my thoughts are that it's really important to do that inner work so that you can externalize it, so that you can push forward. Um, And it's not to say that you can't do social justice stuff until you've done that. I don't think that's true, but I think you just become so much more, there's so much greater strength within you and, you know, you're less, um, you're more, more grounded in what you're doing um and I just love to hear your thoughts on that I mean that's (laughs) yep (laughs) I concur and and I I I think that also um the one of one of my teachers and is um and she's a beautiful her name is Leila Sadegi I'm doing a live with her Mm -hmm. she's amazing she's in the UK she's in if you get you know 
you want to do this yoga, meditation, spiritual life thing, she's a great guide to it. And what she always holds this is that there are multiple, like, when you talk about layering, there's a lot of things happening on different layers at one time, Mm -hmm. right? So I might be heavy into my inner work and not very much is going on the outside. So it could look like, and here we go with the black squares, because I ain't put one up. It could look like I don't care about this, right? But I'm in a deep inquiry and, 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 and doing this inner work and ordering my inner world so I can engage more fully. So if I put a black square up, you know I fucking mean it, mm. right? And then there are some friends where, 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 and especially if we talk about our social media world, they were throwing those black squares up. But they haven't done that inner stuff yet. So now we're inviting them like, okay, so you put that black square up. Cool. All right. So let's put some meaning behind that. So let's start to come to the inner. So it's different things happening on different levels for different people at different times. And it doesn't make, you know, again, what I will say white supremacy. And, and a lot of this stuff is about perfectionism. And we got to put that shit away. That perfectionism, I know it, tell that perfectionism needs to fucking burn. Yes, talk just- about it. <laughs> Let's talk about it because... Perfectionism. Yeah, go ahead. Like, it's, it's, because that is, again, if you look at some of these pillars that hold this white supremacy up, you're like, what? And, and how it shows up in our lives. Mm. with it with it, it as women orthorex orthorexic like mm-hmm. not eating not you know can't the thought that like if I'm not perfect I can't do it if I'm not so whether that's like if I'm not perfectly versed in anti-racism work I'm not going to say anything but that also yeah. goes to like if I don't if I don't weigh the perfect amount I can't go on holiday it's the same perfectionism right it's the same thing, but it's the same thing that, like, I think particularly women have been told because, and, like, I'm thinking out loud, but do you think because we as women have been told that, you know, men can kind of get by by doing the bare minimum, we have to step up and do things, quote, perfectly. And so yeah. to be perfect um, is what we've been taught in how we are meant to show up in all aspects and actually um, being imperfect and just doing it um there's no wholeness in perfection yeah Yeah. there's no wholeness in perfection perfection does not allow you to be whole it doesn't it doesn't It, it, it only allows for a certain part of you to be presented that's it it doesn't allow you to be whole it does not allow you to participate in your life fully and we know again some of these behaviors, some of these things that are going on. And like, if I, it, what does that, what does it do? Not allow you to behave, to, 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 to engage in your life fully. And it's not be all the your, same things. And not be your totally authentic self because you're presenting Mm-mm. all the time. You're not being, you're presenting. And I think, yeah, it's so interesting. I, and I think like, just on a personal level, uh, so you know a lot of work I'm doing in therapy I think is just learning to just be a bit more and you know just be able to just 
do nothing. And I think that perfectionist aspect, that busy, I'm, I've been really interested in talking about being busy recently. And I think all these things are ways in which we've been like presenting and looking for validation rather mm. than um, just being exactly who we are and knowing that that's enough. And I like when you talk about like, and you go, and I just didn't work out because I was tired and yeah. my body didn't want to. And this resting as a, a practice, mm. like, you know, that we need to schedule in some rest too, because that will help to sustain us in our work. Mm. Because again, this perfectionism, this white supremacy, it doesn't allow anybody to rest. And it pushes no us one to burn out. Yeah. And it pushes us to All burn out. And I think, you, you know, going. even weeks, you know, the, the past few weeks, I think, um, it depends who you're following on social media, but I think in general, like maybe people aren't showing as much and I don't think you have to necessarily be showing things 24 seven, but I think mm -hmm. that, um, it was like, we were trying to overcompensate initially. And I think for me, I've kind of like taken on the mindset of like marathon, not a sprint, just steady drip feeding hold hold steady you know just in more terms of drip feeding for me because i find personally i get that like if, if it's too overwhelming i need to like digest stuff mm -hmm. you know but also like output as well we can't just like suddenly like wham on something it needs to be a steady effort keeping things in people's psyches keeping things in the conversation mm -hmm. and um you know and giving yourself space to rest because again, if we give ourselves space to rest in this work, then that allows for other people to rest too. And that if we talk about it, like, you know, you can, um, again, and that's why it's great about community and the collective. And, and I think again, what was fantastic, um, definitely you, you and your community, it is, it does feel like a community when you come mm -hmm. into your Instagram page. And, you know, again, I got to meet some of your community in person, which was like so magic, right? Before we couldn't be out together anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that being able to do this as a collective, because if I need to rest, right? But I still know Tally's over there fighting a good fight today. Mm -hmm. Tally's full of hell today. And she's doing it. And that is why, you know, being in relationship with each other, having community, having people that help us to be accountable and learning together. And that's a big thing, a big thing that I'm holding is that let's learn together. Let's learn how to navigate this new landscape, this new world together. And, um, and we can only become stronger by doing that. And I just wondered, like, um, if you just had any kind of thoughts on this, the specificity within, like, the fitness wellness space. And if there's yeah. anything, if there's any, like, key things that you've pointed that need to change, you know, with more, with more immediacy. So I feel like a lot of energy and effort has been put into assembling the system of white supremacy 
that much energy and effort is going to need to be put into disassembling it, to dismantling it, okay? And that you cannot just do it with an Instagram post. You cannot just, um, again, slap a black person on your magazine. You cannot just get like a couple of the black t-shirts that you think are big, right? And, and throw them and give them jobs and everything. Again, this in, in this industry, it is built because of aesthetics. It is a direct representation of white supremacy at its best. That is what the wellness and the fitness industry is. It's, that's truth. That's facts. I know people are going to be upset. Like, I can't. It is the way that it is. And that's, and that, and it, I don't think any, when I say it, I'm sure people are like, ugh, I feel ugh, too. So let's dismantle it. And it stops from this, it starts from the top. If you are someone that is running a gym, these CEOs, the last time, if you look at the leadership, is white men. Mm. So anti-racism work yourself interrogate it they'll go people will say all right well why would they want to do that well I know a lot of people that are looking at companies now with a very sharp eye to see what people are doing and if you say you're selling health and you're selling well-being but you're only selling it for specific people people are going to start to leave and divest so again, it is worth people's while to engage in this work meaningful. Like I'm telling everybody in the fitness industry, read the fucking room. People do not want it in this way anymore. Read it. They want to see all shapes, all sizes, all people, especially somewhere like London. It's mm. a disgrace that only white people are held up White people don't even make up most of the population in London these days. So it's got to stop. Mm. And get over your egos and your bruised feelings and, and everything like that. And think about what you are selling. And you're selling health and you're selling wellness. And everyone gets to participate in that. Hire managers that are black and brown. There are plenty of them. You could just look around. The people working on probably, you know, you allow them to be a personal trainer, but you don't allow them to manage or, you know, set up programming and things like that. And instantly things will start to change and feel better because in, in offering people training around diversity, put money into it, hire a diversity, wellness, inclusion, and equity consultant. If you are a bigger company, you need to get someone have them to work there as a manager to make sure that these things are happening all the time. So it becomes in the DNA of the, of the culture that we care about people in general. Like I know people like Black Lives Matter, but also if we keep working with this framework, a lot of people are not mattering. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. A lot of people, a lot of people are not mattering. In a lot of these, the, the, the bigger gym spaces, I'll say, and even the largest, um, you know, yoga studio in London, you look at the board and it's white and it's male. How are you going to make decisions that are going to be good for me? How would you ever do that without having somebody in the room that is more like me? If you say you care about people. 
And then if you don't do these things, then that sends a message that you don't. And we will look and we will see and we will spend our money in other places that do. It's simple. And I think that that's where we're, we're getting to is that people want a more fair and equitable world for everyone. You know, like it is everyone is getting sick, getting sick of this system because it's, it doesn't work. We've seen it. It's, it's like falling apart. The world has fallen apart. And I think that's why people are more like willing to engage with this now too, because the folks that it was holding up are getting a raw deal now too. It's just like, let's just get something new for everyone. So. Um, I think, yeah. And I think on your point of like fair and equitable world, that is meaning for everyone. It benefits everyone. Everyone. It's yeah. like, I think people get, I think the pushback to Black Lives Matter is like that means that like immediately white lives won't matter and that's you know you know what I mean and it's just like it's not about and that's just craziness it is crazy and and but I I think there's that I think there's that fear in in some you know parts of what I'll tell you is (laughs) black people don't want to be on top they just want to be able to participate in this world like everyone else does Mm. I don't want to have so right now and I'll say this I really don't leave my house that much why because I'm a black woman and COVID is affecting the black community much more than it is white community so I know that if I get this disease and I go into the hospital, my chances of not walking out are far higher because I'm black. Mm. What? Like, why should my life be like that? Why should anyone's be like that? Think about that. That's, and that's just, again, that's just facts. That's not wishful thinking and trying to make it utopia. Why? Why should that be? I want to be able to, if, for instance, I got it, walk into the doctors and get the best care and the same care and, and recover. Like somebody who was white. That's it. Mm. That's all. That, that is what we're talking about when Black Lives Matter. Not like white lives don't. We're talking about that we get to live. Just yeah. like everyone else. That's it. Mm. Janelle I really think we should leave it there because I think that is so it that is so it um I have really appreciated your time thank you so much I like I said I know you're very in demand right now (laughs) and you know I'm really grateful that we've been able to connect and you've been able to share so much incredible stuff like oh I'm really excited for people to hear this episode. I'm really, again, so grateful to be with you. I love you, Tally. And I thank you for all the support that you've given me from the very beginning. Like, it's, it's amazing. And I, I really, it's, 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 I'm really grateful. And I'm grateful for what you're doing for your community, holding their hand as we, you know, learn more together. Again, I'm I offer myself here as a resource to you because you've been a resource for me. And um, I am really so honored and, and, and deeply, deeply happy to do this work with you. We do it together. Thank you. That really means a lot. Thank you um, so much. Where can people find you? Where can people find and 
find you for yoga, but find you for um, your discussions around this because I know you're doing lots of Instagram lives. So I am on um, Instagram is Janelle Yoga, my name, J-O-N-E-L-L-E, um, yoga. And um, I have a website, JanelleLewis.com. And um, so that the Instagram lives are there. I have a YouTube channel and I throw them up on YouTube because I know some people like YouTube better. And um, I also have yoga classes on a platform called Movement for Modern Life. Um, there's a 14 day free trial if you want to and a 20% off if you use John L 20. So that's where I am right now. Um, and there'll be other more things happening. Um, sooner rather than later but but right now that's where you can find me and um again I am very glad to be able to for, for the what I have to offer to offer it with love and to offer it freely um I really hope everyone listening has enjoyed this episode remember if you do Tag us on at Train Happy Podcast. Use the hashtag Train Happy Podcast and just share what you've learned from today's episode because I think the more we continue this conversation online, the more people we can point in the direction of this discussion. I think that is how we, you know, continue this work. It's like, we got to keep sharing it, keep sending it to your friends. Um, yeah. Thanks, Janelle. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.